Now we enter the fantasy world of anime and manga comics for our GeoQuiz. We're in the Japanese capital, Tokyo, looking for one particular district in the city. This district is where many obsessive anime, manga, and video game fans gather. It's an area central to the Japanese gaming industry, and it's a mecca for anime and manga publishers. And when you're there, it's not uncommon to see fans and even shop owners dressed up as their favorite comic or video characters. This group of diehard fans have a name. They're called otaku. We'll learn much more about Japan's otaku community and reveal the answer to our quiz in just a bit. This is PRI. I'm Marco Werman. This is The World. I'm looking at images right now from a slideshow we have posted at theworld.org, and i got to say, they're funny, insightful, and yes, slightly disturbing. The images are from a book called Otaku Spaces, and they're photographs of diehard Japanese collectors and their stuff. One picture shows a Japanese prize fighter holding a hug pillow featuring his favorite female anime character. Here's one that uh, shows a sci-fi fan with his collection of not-so-futuristic calculators. And there are also several photos of collectors, men and women, with thousands and thousands of their manga comic books or anime DVDs. After looking at this book, the Hello Kitty franchise will make sense. Patrick Galbraith is the author of Otaku Spaces, and he spoke with all the collectors in his book. And first things first, I asked him to define otaku for us. Otaku is someone who's deeply interested in something, um, typically a media product like uh, comic books or animation or video games or something like that. And usually it also has a kind of material correlent, so they might be interested in a particular character in an animation and then they might be collecting figurines. Or in some cases they might dress up like that character. Dressing up like a favorite character is kind of what cosplay means. It's costume play. So kind of costume role play is cosplay. So I used to collect stamps. What would you say distinguishes uh, Japanese otaku collectors and, you know, uh, people who collect stuff all over the world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Otaku are people who are interested. They have – how should I say this? They have a really intense and enduring relationship with another world, a world of fiction that they kind of access through these sort of material products. So they're less interested in the material and more interested in kind of accessing that other world, a world of fiction, which is very real. You say it's enduring. So how long has this been going on in Japan? I mean, what kind of how many generations of Japanese are are otaku? As far as we could tell, and this has been an ongoing project where we've done sort of like an archaeological sort of dig in some ways to try to figure out where how far these layers go. People are really talking about it starting in the late 1960s into the 1970s, where people became more and more interested in science fiction, and especially science fiction animation and comic books. So basically, if you think about the 1970s in Japan, this is a time when we're having huge economic growth. We're having the kind of the spread of information consumer capitalism and really just this kind of push for young people to consume more, especially young men and women. So I would say that it goes back into at least the 1970s, probably before that. Now, I want to uh, touch on one uh, person you inter- interviewed, a guy named Watanabe Ryosuke. Uh, he's a little different from uh, many of the otaku collectors uh, who kind of dabble in manga and anime. Uh, he's 36, and as you say, he collects items from the KKK, Japanese biker gangs and religious cults, Charles Manson, political extremists. And according to him, everyone in Japan collects. Is, is that correct? Everybody kind of collects something? Yeah, he had a pretty good point. He also, and then a few other people I interviewed, tried to kind of place it into context. And the way they were able to sort of talk about it was sort of regular collection as a child. 
So collecting Pokemon cards or collecting Bikuti Man stickers or collecting bottle caps or something. So basically, you're in this kind of dense media market, which is really kind of pushing these things to you, these media mix franchises. And then you consume across platforms in such an intense way that actually by age four, five, six, you're already really deeply involved in this. And Watanabe, actually, for him, uh, that was too normal. And by the time he reached middle school, he said, okay, I need to kind of collect other things, things that are actually valuable to me and to others, things that actually aren't being collected that will be lost over the course of time. In many ways, he's sort of a stereotypical 1980s otaku, uh, especially around this sort of, uh, this sort of uh, crisis when people were really worried about this sort of panic about what our what kids are doing. They're kind of behind closed doors collecting weird things. So in some ways, he's sort of like a return of the repressed in that way. Mm. So a sort of negative aspect of otaku, what might be considered a negative otaku image, sort of comes back into this more sort of pop culture, colorful, global anime manga sort of mix. I mean, as I read these interviews and looked at these photographs, I mean, it's hard not to think of them as as pretty odd people in Japan. Uh, For sure, as they tell us in these interviews, some are successful in their respective professions. Others have day jobs. But uh, in in Japan, are these people viewed as geeky and unconventional? I think there's definitely that kind of connotation. The word otaku has never been a really good word. I mean, for a while in the 2000s when we were actually doing this project, it was sort of this boom so right about 2004, 5 until, you know, 6, 7, 8, there was this sort of international interest in otaku. There was this whole kind of discourse where we're all sort of otaku. We're all sort of interested in this fiction and fantasy material worlds and what have you. But actually, if you talk to people in Japan, they still don't use the word in a necessarily positive way. Mm. And also this sort of like otaku as a good thing that's more tied to social, political and economic discourses in the Tokyo area. If you leave Tokyo, as we did, and go to other parts of Japan, you find that um, if you use the word otaku, it's still kind of like, whoa, hey, I mean, that's really not the word you want to use, right? We're maniacs or we're collectors or we're fans or something. They try to use a different term to sort of mitigate that stigma. I mean, because there is a history here. It's a word with a lot of baggage that we tried to unpack in the book, but it's really transforming in each iteration, in each context. And so, I mean, we can't really say that otaku is negative or positive. I mean, it's really be it's a political word for sure. And every usage of it is actually a sort of a political act. Are these people hoarders in your opinion or do they suggest something unique about Japan? Yeah, they're not really hoarders. Um, so I, I think in some aspects we were trying to sort of go through the angle also of material culture because we really wanted to kind of get to the material in this age of digital digitization and so on. We really wanted to kind of look at how people were surrounding themselves with the objects. But at the same time, they weren't really hoarders. Uh, Watanabe perhaps is an exception, but a lot of people actually were talking about how they weren't collectors and how collectors didn't take things out of the packages, how they put things into a shelf and they never touched it, they looked at it, but they they were kind of cataloging it, what have you. And they were kind of um, emphatic that they actually were opening those packages, they were playing with the things, they were touching them, they were transforming them, they were putting, they were kind of like uh, playing games with them, transforming with the belts and stuff like that. So in some ways, they were much more active, they were much more sort of tactile. They needed to touch it, have it be a part of their lives. So it wasn't really about having the object, but about sort of interacting with the object to, again, access that sort of fantasy space that was so important to them. Fascinating stuff. Patrick Galbraith, author of Otaku Spaces, a revealing and at times, it's got to be said, voyeuristic book of portraits and interviews with Japan's extraordinary subculture of collectors known as otaku. Thanks very much for telling us about this. Thanks for having me. It was great. 
You can see our slideshow of Japanese collectors from otaku spaces, narrated by Patrick Galbraith at theworld.org. And by the way, according to the book, the best-known otaku area in the world is in Tokyo. It's a district known as Akihabara. So Akihabara, or Akiba for short, is the answer to our geo-quiz today. We'll close with music from a Japanese manga soundtrack from the Nan and Bill Harris Studios at WGBH in Boston. I'm Marco Werman. I tweet at Marco Werman. Catch up with me there. Until tomorrow, thanks for tuning in. Bye.